Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Let's go ahead and just pray. Jesus, God, we are honored that you have come into this room with us tonight. God, I'm reminded of the scripture in Psalms that says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Father, we are so humbled that your presence is here in this room this morning. God, we are humbled by your word that is being going to be spoken today. God, we choose right now to receive it, Father, to receive that word that you would have for us today. God, may it come into our lives, and as, as Hebrews says, that your word would divide soul and spirit, would divide joints and marrow, Father. And God, that you would pierce our hearts today, Lord. God, that we would walk out of here today uh, with a deeper understanding of your love for us. God, that we would walk out of here today with a greater joy resting upon us. God, that we would walk out of here today with a greater understanding of the freedom that we walk in in Christ. God, we thank you again for your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Um, several months ago, let me look actually the date. It was uh, early Tuesday morning on November 30th last year at about 5 a.m. Um, I had a dream. And, uh, you know, I dream a lot about random things, but I, uh, there's certain dreams that you can tell are pizza dreams, and there's certain dreams you can tell are God dreams. And this one was a God dream. And, um, and it was an incredible night because I had the dream. I woke up, and then, uh, when, you know how you, in the middle of the night, uh, for some of you, 5 a.m., that's a pretty normal time for you to wake up. For me, that is not a normal time for me to wake up. Uh, and so you, you can kind of be in that in and out of state of sleep, you know, where you're kind of awake, but you're kind of not, and you're drifting in and out. Uh, well, after I had the dream, I was kind of in that state of in and out, and the Lord just kept speaking just different things to me through that time. And so um, I hadn't felt released to share that with you. You know, sometimes the Lord speaks to you, and it's just for you for a while, Right? Um, as a pastor, as somebody who gets up and preaches every morning, my tendency, and I, it, it's easy to do, is to, if I get something from God, I immediately just want to share it. Because I, I've got to preach this Sunday, and I need something to preach on, right? So if God's speaking, I want to just begin sharing it. And, uh, and I had this dream. The Lord uh, gave me a lot of, uh, of different things on it, but I never felt released to share it um, really until now. And so um, I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, I think some of the reason for that was because uh, I really needed it for a season. And, uh, but now I, I really feel like that uh, I'm, I'm just released to share this dream with you that I had uh, several months ago. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm believing that it's going to speak and to minister to you like it has to me. So let me share with you the dream. It's not a very long one. Um, but let me share with you the dream, and then we're going to just talk a little bit about it. So in the dream, there was a group of us in the church. Uh, it was, you know how in dreams, you know where you're at, but it doesn't look like that. You know what I'm talking about? It was kind of that, that kind of scene. We were in a room, and the, uh, I knew we were in, in a sanctuary. And in the sanctuary, in the dream, we had the stained glass windows just like Harmony upstairs there and the sanctuary upstairs was that stained glass windows although the, I will say the room wasn't the same but the stained glass windows were so in the dream there was a group of us there and uh, we were all just kind of moseying around there wasn't really a lot happening we were just kind of there hanging out talking well we were all there and and uh, there was also this heavy presence in the room 
and everybody felt it. And in fact, not only did we feel it, we could see it. There was this, this smoky, shadowy figure that was just kind of roaming around in the room. And, and it, it just brought this extreme heaviness. It was like this wet blanket that was just on everybody. And, and there was just anxiety. There was depression. There was uh, uh, just, just, the, just that heaviness in the room. And it was being caused by this shadow-like figure. And I remember in the dream that we were talking to different people and somebody, we're, we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we get rid of this heaviness? How do we get rid of this thing in the, in the room? And somebody suggested, well, it's, it's uh, why don't we open the windows up? And, you know, the figure, like I said, it was kind of a smoky material. So their thought was maybe if we open the windows and just let the air, uh, let the room air out, maybe it'll just leave and, and the, the wind will blow it out. And uh, so we began opening the windows. And when we opened the windows, it, the shadow figure got bigger and the heaviness got deeper. And, uh, and so we realized that's not working. So we close all the windows and we're back to square one. How do we get rid of this heaviness that's in the room? And then uh, this man came up to me. Chad, if you would show the picture that's there in the slides. This man came up to me in the dream. And he looked just like that, had that smile on his face. Now, uh, who knows who this guy is? Does anybody know who this guy is? Probably not. You'll know what he did, though. This man's name is Eugene Peterson. And he is the translator of the Message Bible. He comes up to me in the dream with this huge smile on his face. You know that the heaviness was affecting everybody in the room, but wasn't affecting him at all. So he comes up to me with this big smile on his face. And he looked at me and he says, you know, he said, the spirit of heaviness, or the, I'm sorry, let me say it the right way. He says, the garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness. And as soon as he said those words, with that big old grin on his face that he's famous for, as soon as he said those words, all of a sudden, everybody broke out in praise. People were dancing, people were laughing, people were just enjoying the presence of God and completely ignoring the heaviness in the room. And as the praise began to break out in the room, that heaviness, that cloud of heaviness, that shadow of heaviness left the room. And again, everybody just remained in this state of just ecstatic worship and praise and just complete and utter joy. You know the scripture of Psalms where it says, at your right hand, our pleasures ever, and you're in your presence, God, is fullness of joy at your right hand as pleasures evermore. That's what we were experiencing in that room in this dream was pleasure evermore in his presence. And, uh, and, and again, the quote that he said to me was, the garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness, which uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. But as you know, uh, that's a reference to Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, Isaiah 61, I believe it's verse 3. So we're going to look at that deeper in a minute. So after, after this dream, I, I woke up from the dream and um, instantly knew it was, it was the Lord. Uh, and like I said, I, at that point I was going in and out of, of sleep. And uh, in between that, the Lord just began just hitting me with just different things. And I want to go ahead and share some of that with you today, even though I don't know that we're necessarily going to get into it. But um, I just want to I want to share some of it with you today. Some of the little things that he shared with me in the in that time. At one point in the night after this dream, I um, 
I was awake and I literally, if I physically heard a loud gust of wind blowing outside. I, fit, I could physically hear the wind and it was so much so, the wind was blowing so hard that I even had the thought I, that I hope it doesn't blow our fence over that, you know, because the wind was so strong. It sounded so strong outside. And so I thought to myself, I hope this doesn't mess up our fence. And um, as I heard the wind, the Lord said this phrase to me, the wind makes heavy things light. The wind makes heavy things light. And then I drifted back to sleep as I was pondering that statement that I heard. And then a few minutes later, I kind of woke back up again and the sound of the wind was completely gone. There was no wind outside. The, let me say that phrase to you again. The wind makes heavy things light. I'm not gonna really spend a lot of time on that today other than to say this. Throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is described as wind. In fact, the word for Holy Spirit is pneuma, which is literally the word for wind. And so um, I'll, let you, I'll just leave that statement with you and let you do with you what you want with that. Um, it spoke a lot to me, but, the, but uh, again, the phrase was the wind makes heavy things light. Uh, a little bit later, I woke up again and the Lord told me this verse. He said, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight is my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I really think that's going to end up being a, a message in the coming days here, uh, just what the Lord spoke to me through that verse. But just, just again, just for you today, um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight, and He spoke to me several things from that verse. And then, uh, and then at another point in the dream or another point in the night, He reminded me of a message I preached. Uh, in 2020 called The Joy of the Gospel. I don't know if you all remember that message or not, The Joy of the Gospel, uh, which again, that message really just revolves around uh, just exactly what the title is, The Joy of the Gospel and what the gospel means. So those were just a few of the things. There were some other things that he shared with me that night um, that I'm not gonna go into, but um, it, was, it was just an incredible night for me. I, I don't have those kinds of things often. Uh, but this one was incredible. But I want to get back to this, this dream now for a minute. You know, I believe that he spoke that dream to me personally because in that season, I was experiencing my own spiritual heaviness. Um, and it was something I really couldn't explain to anybody. I couldn't explain necessarily the whys behind it, but I was just experiencing my own spiritual heaviness in that time. And, and after that dream, man, it was like God just gave me that answer for how to deal with that heaviness, which of course was praise, which we're going to get into more. And, um, and so I believe he gave me that dream personally for me in the season that I was in. But I, I feel released to share this dream now because, because I, I, I really have a feeling that there's a lot of people in this room that are dealing with that spiritual heaviness. Can anybody, maybe, you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, can, any, can anybody relate to that? That maybe you've been dealing with your own heaviness and maybe it's caused by natural things. Maybe it's caused by uh, physical problems in your body and, and, and that's translated into this heaviness uh, of life. Maybe it's busyness, maybe it's anxiety. It could be many different things. Um, but, I, but I really believe that there's people in this room today that are dealing with this spirit of heaviness. And so I, I wanna talk to you today about that and where, what we can do, what the Lord gave us 
the weapon the Lord gave us to battle this spirit of heaviness. Let's go ahead and look now in Isaiah chapter 61. Is everybody with me this morning? Amen? All right. Isaiah chapter 61. Let me read it to you. Starting in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison uh, opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim and the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to counsel those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness there it is right there that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So there's the verse. That verse probably sounds familiar to you because it's the verse that Jesus read out of the scroll of Isaiah when he stood up in the synagogue in front of the congregation and proclaimed that this verse is completed today in your hearing. You know what I'm talking about. The verse where he announces the Messiah that verse references is standing right in front of you. So it's, um, that verse is, should be familiar to you. It's out of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In order to move forward, I want to, take just a moment and talk about this word heaviness with you this morning. What is heaviness? What is heaviness? You all know it's about to come, right? A Hebrew word that I'm going to botch up trying to announce. The Hebrew word that this verse uses here for the word heaviness is the word kehi. And this is what kehi means. It means colorless dim, faint. It's the idea of eyes growing weak with old age. It can also mean smoldering, disheartened, and despair. So it's the idea of colorless. When, when you think of this word colorless, that's one of the words that really popped out to me in this definition. When you think of colorless, colorlessness, you think of a loss of excitement. A loss of imagination and wonder and awe. A loss of beauty. I want to ask you this this morning, and I've shared this before with you all. Why did the disciples follow Jesus? Why did the disciples follow Jesus? I guarantee you it wasn't because they thought they were going to be famous and well-liked by the people. In fact, they were promised Hey, if you follow me, there will be persecution. And almost every one of the disciples ended up martyred before they were able to finish their life. That makes sense, right? They were martyred. They were martyred for following Jesus. They were killed for following Jesus. So it wasn't the accolades that they followed Jesus. Why did the disciples follow Jesus? It wasn't because of the comforts. Right? They weren't staying at five-star hotels traveling through Bethlehem and uh, Galilee and all of those places. Why did they follow Jesus? Let me tell you. There was one time Jesus 
is teaching to the crowd. He's teaching uh, a group of people in the house. And the crowd is all pressed in the house and they're outside of the house. And these four people bring in this man that is paralyzed and they bring him in on this cot and they push their way to the crowd. They end up on the roof. They tear through the roof and they lower the man down to Jesus. Jesus looks at the man He tells him his sins are forgiven, which was blasphemy because only God can forgive sins. And they didn't realize that God was standing in front of them. He looks at the man and he says, your sins are forgiving. Then he looks at his friends and he says, because of your faith. And then he looks at the paralytic man and he says, take up your bed and walk. And the man stood up and was instantly healed from his paralysis and begin walking. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 8. It says, When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God because he had given such authority to human beings. They were awestruck. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus was teaching and a demon-possessed man began screaming out in the crowd, And Jesus looked at that demon-possessed man and he cast out the demon that was in him. And it says here in Mark chapter 1, it says, The man's body shook violently in spasms and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. That's a church service right there, ladies and gentlemen. The crowd was awestruck, unable to stop saying among themselves, What is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, he commands demons and they come out and obey him. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus and the disciples are riding across the sea in a boat and a storm breaks out. Jesus is asleep in the lower parts of the boat as the storm breaks out. The disciples come down to him and they say, Jesus, they wake him up. How are you sleeping in this storm? And they're afraid for their life. Jesus goes to the top of the boat and he commands the winds and the waves to cease. And instantly the storm dissipates and the waters are calm. And Mark 4 tells us the reactions of the disciples. It says, But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the winds and the waves obey him? The disciples did not keep following Jesus because they thought they were going to become leaders of nations. They didn't follow Jesus because they thought they were going to be recognized as some incredible leaders. They followed Jesus because they were awestruck of this man. They were in absolute wonder of this man named Jesus. There were times, in fact, there's a very popular verse or story in, or I think it's John chapter six, where it says that all of these people, all of these crowds, all of these disciples were following Jesus. Jesus tells them something that was difficult for them to hear and understand. It says all of them left, but it says the 12 remained. And Jesus asked them, are you going to leave too? And what does Peter say? He says, Jesus, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. They didn't even follow Jesus because they always understood what was going on. In fact, most of the time, they were in the dark, right? Even after Jesus died, was raised from the dead, 
they still thought the plan was for him to go into Rome and take over the government. They, they weren't following him because they understood the plan. They were following him because they were in absolute wonder and awe of this man named Jesus. Heaviness comes. Heaviness comes when following Jesus loses its color. Heaviness comes when following Jesus becomes dim and lifeless. Heaviness comes when following Jesus becomes an obligation to fulfill rather than being in awe of this man named Jesus. When it becomes routine. When being a Christian for us means reading our Bibles every now and then and maybe praying every now and then before our meals and maybe coming to church on Sunday morning. But really other than those things, they're really obligated. <laughs> We're obligated to do those things. Those things become obligation. And those things are wonderful. Coming to church, reading our Bibles, praying, all those are great. But the purpose, the reason we do that is not to gain knowledge for Scripture so we can win at Bible Jeopardy. <laughs> it's not just a fellowship with other people that have good moral sinners and probably vote the same way we vote. The reason we do those things is not for that. The reason we do those things is because we are in awe of this man named Jesus. We are in wonder. And even though I don't always understand what I'm reading in the Bible, I'm still going to it because where else would we go? They're the words of eternal life. And even though sometimes prayer feels like it's work, I'm still going to go to prayer because it's there. It's in the secret place that we find him. We go to prayer not because we just want to bless the meal. We go to prayer because the Bible says he rests in the secret place and we want to find him. We come to church, not just to fellowship. Believe me, fellowship is important. I love fellowship. But we come to church because we're seeking together this man named Jesus. And we're building a community together of like-minded people who are pursuing this man named Jesus. We are in awe. And heaviness comes when we lose sight of the motivation for the works. And it becomes about the works and doing those things to main maintain our status as Christians. Heaviness comes when we lose the color of following Jesus. The other word that stood out to me in, this, uh, in the lexicon for this word heaviness was the word smoldering. I've told this story several times because I love this story of our trip to Mexico. It's Yes, it's that story with Stumpy, the three-legged donkey, that later became the burrito, that later became something else. But, but I don't need to tell you about Stumpy. Most of you already know about Stumpy. But in this trip to Mexico, we were building this house in the middle of the dump of the city. Literally the dump of the city. Where it was surrounded by heaps of garbage from the city. And I'll tell you, even thinking about it right now, 
I can smell the dump that we were in. And what was interesting about this place, about the dump, is as you looked over the, this landscape of this, this mount, literally mountains of trash that were there, you saw little clumps of smoke in various places on these mountains, these heaps of garbage. And it was the garbage, what was it doing? It was smoldering, right? They were burning the garbage. They were breaking it down by burning it, and it was smoldering. Here's the definition of smoldering. Smoldering is when you have, when you're all smoke, but no flame. It's a fire that is all smoke, but has no flame. So this word for heaviness, this word for heaviness, the spirit of heaviness comes when your life in him becomes all smoke, but no flame. There's no passion. There's no desire. There's no hunger. It goes right along with what I, what I just shared before. It's colorless, right? There's no passion. There's no desire. There's that loss of something. And what I think is interesting, too, is, is the smoke implies that there was once a flame, but the flame has died off, has gotten, gotten less, and now it's just smoldering. There's no flame. It's just smoke. That maybe there once was passion, but the passion has diminished and the flame has been smoldered. The other word for heaviness, the word for kehi, gives the idea, I said this a minute ago, it gives the idea of eyes growing weak and dim with old age. That word kehi is the same word that it uses in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2, when it's describing Eli, the priest. It says, when Eli was lying down in his place, his eyes had begun to grow so dim, that word dim there is that word kehi, that he could not see. That heaviness is this word dim, meaning your eyes growing dim with old age. Some of us feel heavy because we have grown so old in religion that we have lost our vision. We have grown so old in the religious system, the religious spirit, that we have lost our vision. You know, it's interesting, the preceding verse uh, First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. This is what happens when we aren't following the voice of the Lord. I've shared this many times. You know, I think my generation got it wrong, gets it wrong when they talk about the spirit of religion. You know, I, I grew up thinking the spirit of religion was stained glass windows and repeating prayers in service and, and singing nothing but hymns. Oh my goodness, right? I love hymns, by the way. But that's, that's kind of the idea that we had of the spirit, of, and that's not the spirit of religion. That's not the spirit of religion at all. The spirit of religion is replacing an authentic pursuit of Jesus with systems. You know, the Pharisees weren't religious because they, they followed the law. We were they were commanded to follow the law, weren't they? They were religious because they were relying on their works. They were relying on the system to save us. You know, there was 400 years in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years. When Malachi said his last word at the, at the end of the book, 
that it's, it, it, the, for 400 years there was no prophet, there was no, uh, no priest, no anybody that was declaring the voice and declaring the word of the Lord. What happened in that 400-year time frame? The spirit of religion was born. The religious sect called the Pharisees were born where they began living and began forcing rules and regulations and systems on people because there was no voice of the Lord. Sometimes we end up in a spirit of heaviness because we begin relying on systems instead of an authentic pursuit of Jesus. And we get so lost in the religious system that our eyes begin to grow dim. And the vision that we had for following Jesus begins to fade. And we begin relying on the system of works instead of the person of Jesus. And I can relate to this one probably more than anybody because I grew up in church. I grew up knowing the Bible. I could, I could quote scriptures in the Bible when I was five years old. And, and being so long in church, it's easy for your eyes to begin to grow dim in religion. Because most of you have heard stuff that I have preached before, before, haven't you? Because we grew up in church. We've been a part of church our whole lives. And because of that, it's easy to revert to the function of Christianity rather than the pursuit. And because of our old age in religion, our eyes begin to grow dim. And with the dimness comes the spirit of heaviness. What's the answer for the spirit of heaviness? The garment of praise. The garment of praise is the spirit, fixes the spirit of heaviness. You know, just like in the dream I had, just like in the dream I had, I think a lot of times when that heaviness comes, we try to fix it with things, right? We, in the dream, we tried to open the windows and try to fix it on our own. We tried to dispel the, the heaviness on our own. And instead, what tends to happen when we try to do things on our own? It gets heavier. It gets harder. Maybe we try to fix it with doing more of the works by reading our Bible more, or praying more, or going to church and volunteering more, or those sorts of things. Maybe we try to fix it by the works and our focus becomes the works. What happens when we do that? It just gets heavier. It just gets heavier. Maybe we try to fix it with external things. Maybe, you know what, it's been a long week. I'm tired. I'm feeling this heaviness. I'm going to veg out on some Netflix tonight. And it works for a while, doesn't it? But when the season ends after two or three days of vegging on the couch, <laughs> all of a sudden, the heaviness didn't leave. It's still there. What we have to realize is that the heaviness isn't fixed by us doing more things. The heaviness isn't fixed by us distracting ourselves with worldly pleasures. It's the garment of praise that fixes 
the spirit of heaviness. It's the garment of praise that fixes the spirit of heaviness. What is the garment of praise? What is the garment of praise? Isaiah 61 starts off with, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. So Jesus tells us here that this is his mission. He's come to present something to us, and he has been anointed to do so. What has he come to present? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to console all those who mourn in Zion, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What is the garment of praise. The garment of praise is Jesus coming and proclaiming the good news of the gospel to our hearts. The garment of praise is spurred on by the realization that the handcuffs that we see on our hands from sin are imaginary because the king has come and removed the handcuffs. The garment of praise happens because we have a revelation and an understanding that he has come to heal every wound that we have in our hearts. The garment of praise comes because we realize that we are no longer walking in darkness, but we have been fully transferred into his marvelous light. The garment of praise comes when we realize it is not by our works. It is not by our good deeds that we are righteous but it is because of Jesus and Jesus alone. And what that does is it implants in us this, 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 uh, um, this exuberance to praise. It plants in us this uncontrollable urge to glorify and praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we come into the revelation of who Jesus is and what he has come to do, it is like a garment that is thrown on us. It's Psalms 23, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Then it goes on and says, in the midst of my enemies, you have prepared a feast for me. That even though my enemy surrounds me on every side, on every side, there is celebration in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the fear and all of those things. All of those things are dispelled in the midst of it because he has prepared a celebration and a feast in the midst of our enemies. That's the garment of praise. The garment of praise is Jesus and the gospel being proclaimed to our hearts and us coming out of that works mentality that we have to do enough to earn it and resting in the gift of righteousness, resting in the gift of his goodness, of his liberty from our captivity. It's that revelation of Jesus.
And through that revelation, he throws that garment of praise and the oil of joy on us. And the darkness, the heaviness begins to dissipate. It begins to leave. So I'm telling you this morning, if you are feeling that heaviness in your life, Paul, would you come up? If you are feeling that heaviness in your life, my prayer today is that the Lord would come and restore the color of your salvation. That he would come today and restore the fire that is smoldering right now, but that he would come and restore the passion and the excitement and the enthusiasm for serving and going after this man named Jesus. That he would restore the wonder and awe that it is to follow this man named Jesus. My prayer for you today is that today that you would be reminded that it is not by your works that you are saved. It is not by doing the right things and knowing the right stuff. All of that is important, but all of that is a byproduct of being in awe. All of that is a byproduct of chasing after this mysterious man named Jesus. Go ahead and close your eyes with me this morning. I want to tell you this today. That the chains that you feel are on you right now, that are burdening you, He has removed those chains. The weight of sin that you feel, I want to declare over you today that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We talked about this a little bit at the men's group in John, 1 John, there's a verse, I believe it's in chapter three, and it says, it talks about how our own hearts condemn us. Let me read that to you actually, 1 John. It says first, it's in 1 John chapter three, it's in verse 20. It says, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And he knows everything there is to know about us. My delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. And whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to him. What I want you to see in this verse is who condemns our heart? It's not the Father. It says when our own hearts condemn us. Some of you this morning are feeling a heaviness because you, you feel condemnation, you feel guilt, you feel a weight for your sin. And I wanna tell you this morning, like it says in this verse, it says, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And he knows everything there is to know about us. 
that even though God knows every detail of our lives, his grace and his mercy comes. And as it says in Romans chapter eight, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I wanna pray over you today that if you are feeling a heaviness because of a condemnation, you're feeling a condemnation, I wanna declare over you today, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That that condemnation you feel is not from the Father because he sees you as holy and righteous. And when we come into a place of repentance, we come into that place of repentance, that condemnation is not from the Father. That he sees you as holy and righteous and blameless before him. So God, I pray right now over our congregation God, I pray for the garment of praise to rest on them for the spirit of heaviness. God, that they would walk out of this room. They may have walked in this room with heaviness this morning, but I just pray right now, if, if that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand. God, if, that, if, if they walked in this room with heaviness this morning, God, I pray that they would not leave with that heaviness, but God, they would leave with that garment of praise wrapped over their shoulders, Jesus. God, if they've walked in with that heavy yoke that is upon them, God, I declare over them that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, I pray over them today that you would help them repent. And by repent, I mean they would change the way that they think. But God, that they would not see their salvation coming through doing enough good deeds. But God, that their salvation comes through the man Jesus and Jesus alone. And that weight of condemnation would be lifted off of them, that they may walk in fullness of light. God, I pray for joy evermore and full of glory. At your right hand, O oh God, there are pleasures evermore. There is fullness of joy. God, and I declare that that spirit of heaviness has no place in this church. But God, this church is marked by the garment of praise. God, that when people walk into this sanctuary, they would not feel a heaviness, but they would sense, they would sense a lightness. They would sense a joy and a peace that your spirit would have kingdom reign over this building. And God, over our lives individually, that your kingdom reign would have, would have reign over every one of our hearts and every one of our lives. And that spirit of heaviness would leave. God, for those of us who maybe our eyes are dim because we have been in the system for far too long, God, I pray for restoration of sight. I pray for a rejuvenation of passion. I pray for a new kindled fire burning in our spirits, Jesus, that we would pursue you not out of obligation, but we'd pursue you because we are in wonder of who you are.